Well, good evening, everybody. Here we are on a Saturday night in Vero Beach, and you're in church. Amen. It's wonderful to be with you this evening, and it's the season of Pentecost. It's the Pentecost week, and we are celebrating our Feast of Pentecost. As Pastor John shared with you, these are set times that God has set aside where he tells his children to come together, to come to the house of the Lord. And so here we are, and we don't celebrate them traditionally, we celebrate them spiritually. So even this evening, I'm not going to be talking about Old Testament Pentecost. I love doing that. I've done that on many Pentecosts. But tonight I'm going to focus very, very specifically on one thing that I believe God wants me to do. And then tomorrow morning, you have to come tomorrow morning because tonight and tomorrow morning go hand in hand. Even though we're going to be talking about prayer tomorrow morning, prayer is perfect. We continue with our series on prayer, but it lines up perfectly with Pentecost. So please don't miss tomorrow because even tonight, you'll only understand the fullness of tonight if you come tomorrow. Amen. Amen. So it's always good to be with you guys, and I thank you for coming out on a Saturday night. Amen. Yeah, give yourselves a big clap. Also want to welcome all those watching online. It's good to have you guys with us, and I pray that everything that we experience here in the building, you will experience there on your couch at home. Must be nice. Amen. All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> my message tonight is entitled, The Truth About Pentecost. The Truth About Pentecost. And I want to start by talking a little bit about Jesus, because I think when it comes to Pentecost, there's a lot of people that, that don't understand that Pentecost was something that Jesus spoke about right at the beginning. In fact, the Gospels begin with a message about Pentecost. We just don't see it until we really look. The Bible says you must have eyes to see and ears to hear. So we need to look and see what the Bible has to say about certain things. But I'm gonna show you something this morning that maybe you haven't seen before, but from the very start of the Gospels, in fact, in every single Gospel, we see something that has to do with Pentecost. But before I dive into that, it's very important that you understand the reason why Jesus came. And I can preach this message on its own, but I want to start with this because I need you to understand and to see this evening the importance of why he came. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah. He prophesied about him. And Jesus had the audacity to step into a synagogue in Nazareth and read from the prophet Isaiah. Let's go and read it together. Luke 4, verse 16. So he goes to his own hometown where they don't recognize him as anything special except Joseph's little boy. You know, they saw him growing up playing with little wooden cars. Although they didn't have cars back then, they had chariots, amen? So, you know, the kids would play with these little wooden things, and his dad was a carpenter, so he definitely made him a car or a chariot, okay? That was intentional, just so you know, okay? So they didn't recognize him as the Messiah, but he's in the synagogue, and he's been given the opportunity to read from the book of Isaiah. This is what he says. So he came to Nazareth. This is Luke 4, verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I love this. This is so dramatic. The Bible says, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. Everybody's watching him. Can you imagine? And he sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And literally all hell broke loose in that synagogue. All the little demons began to manifest. They were very upset. How dare he say this? But what he was telling them, he was telling them why he had been sent. He was telling them that he came to heal the brokenhearted. He was telling them that he came to preach the gospel to the poor, that he came to proclaim liberty to the captive. Liberty to the captive means that someone that is bound by oppression, someone that is bound by depression, somebody that is caught captive by the enemy, he says that he's the one, he's the one who came so that he could let those people go from that oppression, so that he could set those people free from what the enemy was trying to do in their life. He said, listen, this is why I came, to, re- to, to give sight, to recovery of sight to the blind, those that couldn't see. And this was a twofold thing because it doesn't only mean recovery of sight in a miracle form with, with natural eyes. Even though he opened up many eyes that were blind, he also came to open up our eyes because once we couldn't see but now we can see once we were lost but now we have been found and this is what Jesus came to do he came to do it he came to give us liberty he he, it says to set at liberty those who are oppressed Jesus came for you and for me and he was a hundred percent accurate in his reading Because he went out and literally turned the world inside out and upside down. He went about preaching and doing good, the Bible says. And all who were oppressed would come to him and he would lay his hands on them and he would minister to them and villages and cities would turn inside out, upside down. Crowds began to follow him everywhere he went because where he went, there was good news. There was healing. There was freedom. The religious system would tell them what they should do and shouldn't do, and Jesus would love them and show them that love. And then after he showed them that love, he would say the same thing, go and sin no more. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. He was here and he was preaching and teaching and ministering, and he began to gather these bunch of fishermen The most unlikely, perhaps. I don't know. I wasn't there. But one of them sees him preaching on a boat, and when he gets off the boat, he steps out of the the boat, and he, he does miracles there by the Sea of Galilee. And Peter, who's really a strange character, Jesus says to him, will you follow me? And he falls on his knees, and he says, I'm not worthy. But I'll follow you. 
And so it is with all the disciples. And we only really know of 12 in particular, but we know of Mary Magdalene and others. There were many, there were hundreds that followed Jesus everywhere he went because he carried this message to heal, to set free, to proclaim liberty. He came to restore, just like God represents himself in the Old Testament scriptures when he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, our healer, or let me say this, our restorer. God's plan has always been to restore man to himself. And Jesus was God in the flesh who clearly came to do that. The Bible teaches us that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know this because Jesus came to undo all of that. He came to undo it all. But I want to show you something in every single gospel. Every single gospel, there is an account of something that is said that we must take note of. Let's go to the book of John. We'll start there. John 1, 29. Then the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after he comes, a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I come baptizing with water. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remaining upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. Watch this now. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John gives an account. He says this, he says, Jesus, he is the one that is coming. And when he comes, he's gonna do more than what I do. I baptize you with, with water unto repentance. We all do that. If you haven't, do it tomorrow. There's the baptismal pool. You start with repentance. John says, listen, I came to, to do repentance. He says, but there is one coming after me and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now watch this, because this is the book of John. In the book of Matthew, it says this, Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The book of Mark says, Mark 1 verse 8, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Listen, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke 3:16 says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I who is coming, whose sandals strap I'm not worthy to loose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's not all. Even the book of Acts gives an account of why John was sent. In Acts 1 verse number five, it says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, we stop at the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
any cost was so important because from the very beginning of the Gospels, the Gospels was not fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Gospels were fulfilled in Pentecost. Because right at the beginning of the Gospels, the message that's given is there is one coming. And this one that is coming, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So you will experience water baptism and you will experience a baptism with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. There are two. One baptism in Christ. Don't get confused. Well, you know, there can only be one baptism. My baptism in water and my baptism in the Holy Spirit is in Jesus. 100%, no confusion. It's in Christ. Are you with me? You may think this is just, oh, who really cares? It's in all the Gospels. Did you know that there are, there's only one miracle recorded in all the Gospels? And that's the feeding of the 4,000 let alone the book of Acts as well. This is an important thing that we must take note of in Scripture, that on the day of Pentecost, something was going to happen that would change the world forever. Jesus came, died, and rose again. And when Jesus was with his disciples, he said to them, actually, he wasn't with his disciples. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the last day of the feast, he gets up and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Let him come to me. He says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then he says this. He says, but, but this was spoken of, of the Holy Spirit who would only be given when everything is fulfilled. Now, Jesus dies. He rises again. And he appears to his disciples. I've spoken about this before, but I need you to see the detail this evening. Let's go to John 20, verse 19. John 20, verse 19. Ooh, I feel the presence of God so strong. John 20, verse 19. So Jesus is risen. His disciples are all together in one room. They've heard that People, he's appeared to a few people. And while he's with his, while the disciples are in a room, something happens. Take a look, John 20, verse 19. It's important that you understand that up until this point, after the crucifixion, the disciples were denying him. They even, I taught before, I've taught you before how the disciples didn't even believe Mary when she said that she saw Jesus. They, they doubted, and you, understand, you must understand, I can understand it, I probably would have done the same. Me, maybe, you definitely. <laughs> so they were, it's not like they were in a great place, they were full of fear, they were, they were, they, they were scared of being persecuted, they, they were, they were people, some of the other disciples had run away, and now they're in this room together, and Jesus appears, watch this. John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. What is he saying? Shalom. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 
And Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, this is unbelievable. And you mustn't think that this was just a situation like, (laughs) it wasn't like that. I can assure you, he was standing in front of his disciples and more than likely took them one by one. And what he did was this. Let me show you. Go to Genesis 2, verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Just like that, those disciples who were dead, he breathed in them the breath of life. Gave them the Holy Spirit. Their spirit was born again. Their spirit was regenerated. That's what we call true salvation. And I've said it so many times that at that moment, I don't think there's any doubt, once he showed them the hands and he showed them his side, that they believed. So salvation and being born again, which he taught Nicodemus about, was now busy taking place. These disciples, that spirits were dead because of the sin of Adam. Now he took them and breathed life into them again, just like God did with man in the beginning. And now they were born again. Oh, isn't it awesome? Now they were born again. See, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you truly, I'm not talking about I believe and then you carry on doing what you want. I'm talking about making a decision to truly believe that Jesus is the Christ. Because at that moment, I can assure you, they believed he was the Christ. When he told them before that he would rise on the third day, they didn't get it. When he told them before, listen, I'm going to die, I'm going to be, but I'm going to come back. They didn't get it. But now, standing there with a hole in his side and holes in his hands, they believed him. Because they saw him go to that cross. They saw him get put in the grave. They knew he was dead. Now they believed And because of that faith, he blew in them and they were born again. And so it is for every believer today, when you get saved, the breath of life comes into you and you are born again. You are made whole on the inside in your spirit man. You begin to change, you begin to transform on the inside. That's when you begin to decide, I'm going to stop doing these things. You start dealing with your sin, with your flesh. Are you with me? Because of the spirit that's on the inside of you. That's when you decide if you're not married, you're not going to stay with your girlfriend anymore. You're going to get married. Because it's a sin and it's wrong. Oh, it's a little bit quiet in Vero Beach this evening. If you are living with your girlfriend, brother, it's time to stop. Get married. Or leave her. One of the two. Amen. Pastor, don't be like that. I will be like that. I will be like that. 
Why? Because I care. Are you with me? And I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about everything. We slowly begin to change. Listen, there's grace, of course. But eventually, listen, if we've been in church for a while, walking with the Lord, He showed us His power. He showed us His glory. He showed us His kindness. He showed us His goodness. Maybe we should start to listen to Him. Amen. The disciples were ready. They knew this was the Christ. Everything they did for three and a half years, leaving their families, making sacrifice, they were ready to go out and preach the gospel. They were ready to give their lives from that moment. They were ready. Amen. But Jesus had something to say to them. In the 40 days that he spent with them before he went back up, And in those 40 days, he was with them. The Bible tells us. And the book of Acts gives an account, a short, a brief account of this time. Let's go to Acts 1. How about we start in verse number 1. Acts 1, verse number 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So we know that while he was with them, he gave them instructions. He gave them commandments. Are you with me? To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he was spending time, and and it seems as though a primary focus of this time were things pertaining to the kingdom. Now, it's interesting because we can see that there were still some things the Holy Spirit had to reveal to them. So they began to ask Jesus some questions. Watch. They're going to ask some questions in just a moment, but watch what he says in verse number four. So he says in verse number three, let's read it again. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering from many infallible proofs, being seen by them for during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Everybody say commanded. Remember, they've now received the Holy Spirit. They are born again. They are ready to go. It says he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now you must understand that at the very beginning of the Gospels, the Bible talks about the one who is coming of Jesus, who would be the baptizer, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. When the disciples received the Holy Spirit, when he breathed on them, that was not it. That was salvation. That was being born again. Are you with me? Now watch. He says, let's read it again. And being assembled together with him, he commanded, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he's telling them about the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. Remember, when they got born again, when they got saved, that was salvation. 
when the Holy Spirit was blown into them, they were born again. They were reborn. Are you with me? But the Holy Spirit, which Jesus is now saying, listen, I've spoken to you about the Holy Spirit. I've spoken to you about the promise. This promise, he's the one who will teach you all things. He will not leave you as orphans. He will show you things to come. I'm not going to teach you all about that now. But they already had information about him because he had taught them this already. Are you with me? Now watch. In verse number five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know what's funny? And I love you guys. But when I said just two minutes ago that that was not the baptism of the Spirit, some of you disagreed with me. That's funny. Yes, it's okay. I'm not mad, you know. But that's how we are, guys. We have to read the word carefully. That was not the baptism of the Spirit. That was being born again. Because the Spirit was breathed in them so that they could begin to change, so that they could be born again. But there was still an outflowing that had to take place from the inside to the outside. Are you with me? So Jesus says, listen, you must not leave You must be in Jerusalem. You must stay. You must wait. Wait for what? The promise of the Father. Why? Because not too many days from now, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now they start asking. They're listening to this, but they're thinking about the kingdom. They're thinking about the kingdom. So they say, therefore, when he had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, what does that mean? Let's get back to what's important right now. Not too many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But, why? He's saying, because this is what's going to happen. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He just said, the baptism is coming. The baptism with the Spirit is coming. What will happen when you get baptized? You will receive power. Listen, disciples, before you go and preach, before you go and teach, before you go and try and do anything for the gospel, you first have to receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here comes the second thing. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen. To the ends of the earth. Not only in 100 AD or after Christ. Are you with me? It was forever. Right until the end, until everyone is heard. The message will be preached. You will be, you will be empowered. You will receive power when you are baptized with the Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then... You will be a witness. You will go out and you will be a witness. The word witness in the Greek is the word materion, 
And it means testimony, witness. It also means proof. In other words, listen, you will receive power. Why will you receive power? Because you have to go out and be a witness. You have to have proof. Proof of what? Proof of Jesus. Proof that he died and rose again. Proof that the same God that lives in you is that that God who was Jesus. By doing what? By doing the same things that he did. You need power so that you can do the same things that he did. That's what a witness is. When you witness, you display what that person did. You give undeniable proof. So he says, listen. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we know this. Remember, up until the point where they would be baptized with the Spirit or up until the point where they would receive power, they already had faith. They already had knowledge. They were already dealing with their sin. But what they needed in order for them to be effective witnesses, they needed power. Oh, it's good news. Right? And the Bible tells us that the disciples had received this power later on. In Acts 4 verse 33, it says, And with great power, the apostles gave witness. See, without the power, they couldn't give witness. They needed that power to give witness. It says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So so Jesus says, you have to wait. You have to tarry. You have to wait in Jerusalem until you receive this power, until you have the baptism of the Spirit. And I don't want to be repetitive, but I need to. This is something that was spoken of at the beginning of every single gospel. Even before we hear about Jesus' miracles, we read about John. And we read about the one who would be coming. And what that account tells us about the one coming is that he would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he dies, he rises again, he appears to his disciples, gives them eternal life, and now he says you need to wait because you need to be empowered. And he's referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now watch. Let's go to Acts 2 verse number 1. It's not going the way I thought it would, but that's okay. Acts 2, verse number 1. Before I read this, I want you to know something. That after Jesus told them this, after he said those words, after he said to them, you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, the Bible says that after he had spoken these things, they watched while he was taken up into a cloud. In other words, that was the last instruction. 
So the disciples are waiting. They're doing what he said. And Acts 2, verse number 1, something's about to happen. Let's read it together. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. That upon is important because he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. So the Holy Spirit rushes in like a mighty wind, fills the whole house where they're sitting, and appeared, and as of fire, tongues of fire sat upon each and every one of them. And verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now, they're in the upper room. They're waiting. They're praying. They're believing. They're trusting. What are they waiting for? For power. How? Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing mighty wind. And, and, and tongues of fire sat upon each of them. They were having their baptism. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they're being filled with the Spirit. Now they begin to speak in tongues. We'll address that tomorrow. Amen. And while they're busy praying in the Spirit, people from all over begin to gather around, around that place where they were. We don't know for sure whether it was that room or whether it was the steps on the southern side of Jerusalem, out of the temple. It could have been right there because it's the only place that could have seated so many people. But there they were, and they were busy praying, and, and, and fire came down, and they're busy speaking in tongues, and people can hear their own languages, them praising God and worshiping God. Thousands begin to gather. Thousands begin to gather. Something's happening. Are you with me? And Peter gets up and begins to preach. Peter, who denied Jesus, gets up with boldness because now he's been empowered. Now he's been, he's been, he's been brought to life and he stands up boldly and begins to preach about Jesus. And the Bible says that about 3,000 got saved that one day. That's revival right there, guys. That's real revival. I would love to have been at that baptismal service. Can you imagine? Oh, and I guarantee you they all got baptized. And they're getting baptized and people are getting saved. And the gospel is now being preached. The kingdom of God was now right there. And it was from 12 120 in the upper room. Now they're all praying and this begins to happen and that 120 becomes 3,120. <laughs> Amen. Don't forget the 120 now. <laughs> and so it began to spread everywhere. What's interesting about the kingdom is that 1 Corinthians 4 verse number 20 says this, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You see, in order for people to truly understand and believe that what they were seeing and hearing was true, they had to see a witness in the lives of the disciples and all those who were saved 
that Jesus truly was the risen Savior. And that the same power that was in them was now going to be in these disciples. If it wasn't, they would not have made it a couple of weeks. And so their ministry begins. Their ministry begins. And I want to read a few accounts, just a few, from the book of Acts of how they would go and minister, the disciples. Is that okay? Acts 2, verse number 43. Acts 2, 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. What were they doing? They were being a witness. How were they being a witness? With power. Where did they get that power? When the Holy Spirit came upon them. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, rivers of living water began to flow out of their belly and they were able to preach and minister and what they were full of was now pouring out of them. And wherever they go, they would, they would do signs and wonders and miracles. So we see that Acts 3 verse number two, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. We know the story. Peter and John are walking to the temple. They see this man at the gate, beautiful. I've been there. Amen. And at the gate, beautiful, there's this man. And he sees them. And Peter walks up to him and says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, let me be a witness right now. Let me be a witness to you right now. Let me show you what the God that I serve is capable of doing. Watch this now, church. The same thing that Jesus read when he read the book of the prophet Isaiah, that he came to set the captive free, that he came to heal the brokenhearted. The same thing was busy happening now in the lives of these disciples. As he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Hallelujah. That's Acts 3, Acts 5, verse 15. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirit, and they were all healed. Jesus came to set the captive free. His disciples who now had that same power because right from the beginning of the Gospels, he spoke about how one would come who would baptize with the Holy Spirit because you see, it wasn't just about the death and resurrection, but what would be poured out on his people and his people would go out and they would also preach the Gospel to those who are oppressed, to those who are bound, to those who are broken and hurting and they would also speak life and they would also demonstrate power. Amen. Unclean spirits, they were all healed. Man, I would have loved to have seen that. Well, you know, they weren't Jesus. I know they weren't Jesus, but Jesus was now living inside them, guys. The Spirit of God, the Spirit that was in Christ, the Spirit that descended upon Him like a dove 
was now in these disciples. And now was released out of them too. So that even Peter's shadow. Right there. Come on. But you see, you must understand that their faith, oh my word, they had no doubt. How do you know? Because every one of them gave their lives. Every one of them died giving their life. And the only survivor they say was dead, killed, and came back to life, which was John. They say he was boiled in oil and he died, but they say that he didn't die, he was actually brought back to life. That's one of the accounts. Peter was crucified upside down. He had no doubt. And you see, when he walked past them and his shadow fell on them, he didn't say, hey, look how anointed I am. You know, maybe we should, uh, you know, have a book signing at the back there, you know. And, you know, maybe we should, you know, because it's, you know, it's, you know, peace to Peter now, Peter the great apostle, you know. No. I can assure you that when his shadow fell, that he would look up to heaven and go, thank you, Lord. I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure that's what he did. Thank you, God. Yes, Jesus, you said you would not leave us orphans. You said you would not leave us alone. You said that nothing that the Holy Spirit does, he'll do on his own, but you will tell him and he'll come and speak it to us and everything that you need to do, you'll do through us. You will be working through us. You will show us things to come. You'll tell us what to say. Lord, I'm busy walking. I'm just walking and my shadow's falling on them and they're getting healed, Lord. Why? Because right from the beginning of the Gospels, there was a prediction there was a mandate given that the baptism of the Holy Spirit would take place, that there was one who was coming after John the Baptist, after repentance, there must be a baptism. There must be a baptism of the Spirit that comes upon every believer or else you will only be filled with knowledge and you will deny the power. How, why will you deny it? Because you don't know it. The only way you can know that power is once the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's why every gospel gives an account. And the book of Acts doesn't happen in any other, with anything else. Very little, very, very little. That's, that's Peter. Watch this. In Acts 9 verse 17, we meet another character. Not one of the elite he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was a bad guy. He was persecuting Christians. And when he has his encounter with Jesus, he goes blind. And he's busy sitting in a room and he's blind. And the Lord goes to Ananias, one of his disciples, and says, I want you to go to Peter and I want you to lay hands on him. And Ananias wasn't too happy about it because he knew who, Peter, who, Paul, who Saul was. He knew who Paul was. 
But he goes, and watch what happens, Acts 9, 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you think that he believed already? I mean, I don't want to be funny, but, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. Listen, Ananias was not one of the great ones. I love that God chose him. We don't hear about him again after this. That's it. This is his moment. Amen? But it's a great one. Let me tell you something. What a moment to lay hands, to lay hands on the guy that's about to change the world. And a miracle takes place and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he gets filled with the Spirit. Can you imagine? Listen, I can retire too after seeing that guy get saved. Amen. But what's amazing is that once Paul, Saul, Paul, once he encounters Jesus, once he is filled with the Spirit, the Spirit comes upon him just like it did the other disciples. He goes out and does the same thing. This account is about Paul and Barnabas, Acts 14, 13. Therefore they... They stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Acts 14, 18, so we know signs and wonders were done through Paul, who wasn't at the original outpouring. Acts 14, 8, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's, mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. Wow. Listen, that sounds like one of the miracles of Jesus. Because why? He was being a witness. How was he being a witness? With power. The only way you can be an effective witness in the kingdom of God is you must have power. Paul needed that power. The disciples needed that power. Ananias needed that power. Amen. Let me give you one more story about Paul, because I want you to see just one thing. It's important that you see this. Acts 16, 16. Now it happened, as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, not to the girl, to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. It's interesting, just quickly, a little elaborate run that I think you might be interested in. It didn't take a minute. It took an hour. 
Okay, he did deliverance, and in that hour, that spirit left, somewhere in that hour. So he was doing deliverance. Guess who else did deliverance? Jesus did deliverance. The Bible told us that the apostles that were before Paul, they all did deliverance. And don't think that Paul was the 12th apostle. No, Matthias was the 12th apostle. The Bible tells us that. Paul was one of the others. There are many apostles in the New Testament. Timothy was an apostle. I don't have time to teach you this. I'll teach it one night during the podcast. Amen. Amen. But not tonight. Barnabas was an apostle. I'll prove it to you from Scripture. But that's not the message tonight. Amen. What I need you to understand is that the Pentecost experience is something that was mandated to the church. Salvation first, the greatest miracle of all. (sighs) Born again, made new, made whole. It only had to happen once to be passed down. But after that, we also have to have our Pentecost experience. We also have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit before we can be a witness. I'll teach you tomorrow that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you have to ask. The Holy Spirit is not just given, you must ask. You see, when we repent, we are saved. But to receive the Holy Spirit, you must first ask. There are many today that are not asking. They don't ask because they don't believe. Are you with me? Now watch this. The very last scripture of the book of Mark, when I saw this, guys, I did the happy dance. Watch this. And they went out. You've got to read the whole last chapter. you just got to do it in your own time. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Why? Because they had to be a witness. And I love the last word. Amen. Amen. What does that mean? So be it. Amen. I agree. That's it. It settles it. That means that in order for us to be disciples, effective disciples, we all need to experience the baptism of the Spirit so that we can be endued or receive power. Now, tomorrow morning, we're going to go really deep into this. So you don't want to miss it. Amen? Part two. Okay? But I want you to know something tonight. That Jesus 
came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. He came to open the eyes of the blind. He came so that you could have liberty, you could be free from that oppression. That's what he came to do. And I want you to know that when he left us, he did not leave us orphans. He made sure that he would send the Holy Spirit who would empower us so that the Holy Spirit can continue the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through our lives. Why am I telling you that? Because I want you to know that tonight in this place, that power is present. The power is present to touch your life. His power is present to set you free. His power is present to heal your broken heart. Tonight, His power is in this place. The same way that it was when Jesus walked the earth, the same way that it was after His disciples were empowered because it's happened here as well. So that power is present this evening in this room. And so I want to ask you this evening, if you've come here this evening and you say, Pastor Alex, listen, I want to just say something before I do this. On Sunday night, we're having an anointing service. So don't just come up for prayer now. On Sunday night, I'll lay hands on the whole congregation. I do that about two or three times a year. I'll do it on Sunday night during this Pentecost feast. So if you need breakthrough and stuff like that, on Sunday night, come for prayer. Because on Sunday night, I'll anoint everybody. We'll pray for the whole congregation. We just, I'm not even going to, if I preach a message, it'll be very short. We're going to do an extended worship, and then we're just going to lay hands. Amen? But tonight, if you've come here, and you're hurting, or you're broken, or you're inflicted, or you're oppressed, or you're suffering inside, I want you to know that His power is present here this evening to set you free. Can we bow our heads for just a moment? Father, tonight in this place, I thank you for every person that's here. I thank you that your word, it's the same, Lord. Yesterday, today, and forever, still accomplishing that that it was sent out to do even now in our lives. We see those words, Lord, in your book, playing out right before us. Your spirit is here. Holy Spirit, you are here with us now. And I ask, Holy Spirit, even now, that you will go into this audience. And Father, you will, you will cause the brokenhearted to be stirred up. You will cause the oppressed to be stirred up.
You will cause those who are suffering from depression to be stirred up. You will cause those, God, who the enemy has come to and said you must no longer live their hearts to be stirred this evening, God. For in this place tonight, there is power present to set them free, to heal their broken hearts, to heal their hearts, God, to heal their lives. Father, maybe there's someone here this evening that has been struggling, God, to understand your word. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would open their eyes, that you would open their eyes, God. Father, that you would set at liberty those that are in this place that have been struggling, God, that have been bound with all kinds of confusion and things that the enemy has brought against them. I pray, Lord, the same way that you said in your word that, that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Lord, I pray that that same Spirit be present right now in this place so that all these things can manifest in this place. So if you, if you know that I'm speaking to you, quickly raise your hand so I can see where you are. Don't be afraid. Raise your hand. That's awesome. So many hands going up. Can I ask you, if you raised your hand, don't be afraid. Come quickly to the front. I want to pray for you. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Amen. Amen. Don't be afraid. If you're sitting there and you think that maybe you need to be prayed for, yes, you need to be prayed for. Come. Don't stay in your seat. Come quickly. There we go. Thank you so much. Come. Don't be afraid. The Lord wants to heal you tonight. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your soul. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your presence. More coming. Keep coming. I'm going to wait for you. Don't be afraid. Keep coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. There we go. They keep coming. They keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't be afraid. Come quickly. I'm going to ask my pastors. I'm going to ask you to come minister with me, please. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then we're going to start ministering. You'll minister, and I'll minister. We'll all minister together. Amen. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for these precious people. Stretch your hands out towards them. Lord, you know their circumstances. You know what they're going through. You know what their struggles are. You know why they've come forward this evening. I set myself in agreement with your word, God, that in this place tonight, as they surrender their hearts to you, that there will be power present to touch them, to set them free, God. Father, I pray that the anointing be present now to break the yoke over each and every one standing here in the front. Lord, that you would encounter them with your love and with your power. Jesus, that you would set them free, that you would give them healing, that you would give them breakthrough. I pray this now and release this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastors, go. Go, begin to minister.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Focus on the Lord. Amen. Focus on the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus.
right. If you need physical healing in your body, physical healing in your body, we're going to pray for physical healing now. If you want to come up for physical healing in the body, you have pain or physical healing, physical, a physical problem in your body, come forward. You can leave him, Alex. Leave him. Leave him. I'm going to ask my zone leaders to come up as well, please, because there's going to be a lot of people. Zone leaders, cell leaders, you can come, you're going to pray with me. Pastors, continue to pray. Come, guys, as they begin to come, begin to pray for them. Ask them what the sickness is in the name of Jesus and deal with it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Begin to pray now. I release healing into their bodies now. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I pray that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us now. And I pray for that healing power to be present in this place right now. And I thank you for your healing power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. Right now. Go, go.
If you haven't been prayed for and you still need to be prayed for, can you come and line up over here so we can make sure we see where you are? We don't want to miss anybody. If you still need prayer for healing, come forward, please. If you've been prayed for and you can go back to your seat, if you can do that, we'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. just waiting. They're bringing a young child from the other side over for prayer. So we're going to pray for him in just a moment. These over here need ministry, please. Can I get some leaders over here, please?
There we go. God's busy setting someone free. Just hang in there. Amen. That's it. You're doing fine. You just keep going. Touch your hands. Begin to pray, church. Watch the power of the praying church. Watch this. Watch as you pray. Watch. That's it. Keep going. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now go. Go. Go.
Now, I'm going to close the service. Man, none of you have gone home. What's going on? You're all still here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh. Oh. Come. You and your wife. Come. Come. Come and stand here. Naomi, come and stand with me. Son, in this house, you have served, and you have served, and the day is coming where I will send you out, for I see a church standing, and you will be the senior pastor of that church. For the Lord says, I have taken you, son. And I have matured you. And I have brought you and your wife to a place where in the near future, you will go from this place and you will come back to this place. But you will plant a church and I see them coming. I see them coming to, to this place, to this church for healing and for deliverance, for restoration. For the day is coming Soon, says God, for I will begin to prepare everything for you, says the Lord. I will begin to prepare that place for you. And I have prepared you. I've put my spirit on you. I've taken you through difficult times. I have tested your heart, son. And I have seen. For you said to me, Lord, I'll give it all up. And I will follow this man. And I will stay with this man. And that that you have sacrificed, now I will release to you both. In the mighty name of Jesus. From this place you will go. And you will plant a church. And that will be a house of deliverance. And you will be a prophetic voice. A prophetic sound will come from your house. And that sound will raise up a prophetic generation. And that prophetic generation will speak words of life. That prophetic generation will speak words that will bring healing and deliverance to many. In the mighty name of Jesus, you knew that was coming. You knew it, but it's like you fought it because you thought it was your flesh. But the Lord says the time is now. The time is at hand. And I will, I will do this thing for you, with you, and through your life in the mighty name of Jesus. And I will bless you. And I will bless you. 
Now I pray, Lord, that the anointing that is on my life will come upon this young man. And Cheyenne, you will be prepared. Everything has been prepared. And you and Mike, you will run together. You will fly together. And you will be a success. The two of you will be a great success. Father, I release this to them both. In the name of Jesus, I release it now. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. I tried so hard not to do that. <laughs> but it's time. Amen. Amen. I will uh, release you now because I can't play, pray for anybody else now. <laughs> and um, tomorrow morning we'll go deeper into this amazing Pentecost experience. And you don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. Amen. <clears throat> and so let's bow our heads. Father, we love you so much. And we are so grateful to you, God. for everything that you have done tonight in this place. It is so evident that your word is true, God. I even think tonight, Lord, as I was praying for Mike and Cheyenne, Lord, how in the church at Antioch, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said that they should separate Paul and Barnabas, that they should go. And we read it, but we don't know what really took place, how they felt, what they went through, the emotions, the, is it all the different stuff. But Lord, our desire is for your will to be done. For your will to be done, God. And so I pray for every precious soul that's in this place tonight, Lord. I pray that they will leave strengthened, encouraged, refreshed, 
and that you will bring us back here tomorrow, God, so that we can continue in this incredible Pentecost season for what you have for us. We love you. We honor you. We worship and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, bless your people now. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each of you as you leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.